Welcome to Malcolm Reed's How to Barbecue Right, a podcast where we talk about barbecue, share recipes, and discuss all things delicious. And now, here's your host, Malcolm and Rochelle Reed. Hey, welcome back to the How to Barbecue Right podcast. I'm your host, Malcolm Reed, joined by my lovely wife, Shell. Miss Southern Shell, what's happening today? A lot. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting ready to go to Arizona first thing in the morning, early. We got um, a seven twenty-five a.m. flight. That's going to Arizona. We're going to be out at Barbecue Island. It's uh, one of our um, retailers where where um, they sell all kinds of barbecue supplies. I mean, have you ever looked yeah, it's at a huge? You ever looked at their store? What yeah. all they have? They if if you if it's in the barbecue world and you need it, they got it. Yeah. At barbecue Island. It might be the biggest. One of the biggest barbecue stores I've ever seen. Really? Well, we're going out. This is our first time to really go out and do a demo. Um, we're going out with Heath Riles. It's not really a demo. It's more of a class, isn't it? Well, we're going to be. It's really just backyard backyard cooking. We're, we're doing two sessions. Uh, Friday night, it's going to be from like six to ten, four hours, and we're going to do some backyard cooking. We're going to do ribs. We're going to do brisket. We're going to do a ribeye steak. We're going to throw some side dishes in there. Um, Heath Riles from Heath Riles Barbecue is going out with us, and we're just going to tag team this thing. And then Saturday, we're going to turn back around and start at noon and do another four-hour session where we're going to talk about holiday cooking. And that's really the, I mean, I love backyard cooking, don't get me wrong, I do it all the time, but holiday, this is where it's at right now. So I'm more excited about the holiday cooking because I'm going to do a prime rib. And a ham. And a ham. And some turkey. And some side dishes to go with it. How would you rank those three? Your personal choice. I know how I'd rank it. You know I've got to go prime rib. Prime rib is probably one of my favorite things that you can do on a smoker. <laughs> Heck, even in the oven, I don't care. Prime rib is good. Yeah. you got that whole, it's a whole ribeye that you're just seasoning the outside, getting a nice crust on the outside of it with rubs. You know, i got to put some AP on it. We'll probably throw some beef rub or something and a lot of like fresh herbs and, yeah. and garlic just make this crust on it this i just thought of this we talked about doing a horseradish cream sauce you gotta to have serve it. You, with gotta, it. you got to have that <laughs> but that'd be good to have in the class to serve too yeah no no you gotta have that yeah. we're, we're going to and that's the you know it's like that spicy mayo that you do mm-hmm. for when we've done those french dip sandwiches or anything any kind anytime we're slicing beef <laughs> good, <laughs> it's good. And, good and rare to medium rare yeah. i'm having that horseradish cream sauce to go with it so, and I think at Christmas time, I think of whole prime rib. And then yeah. number two. Ham. ham. I'll take a ham over a turkey. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong. I love smoked turkey, but double smoke with the ham with the little glaze on it. I use a spiral sliced. Yeah. It's so good. I did some of those. Uh, so that's what I had next on my list. Talk yeah. about what you did for Thanksgiving. You did a lot of hams and we gave them out as gifts and stuff this week. Yeah. We, um. I did. Not, I didn't do a lot of cooking Thanksgiving, but I did a, a pretty good share. You I did what four hams to give away? Four or five hams. I did some a couple turkeys, and then I did a tur- uh, some, the favorite thing that I did is that uh, bone. It's a turkey breast, but it's a it's butterball makes it. It's a deep fried turkey breast that you can buy at Sam's. It's like a roast. Um, no, it's a whole breast. It's a, I know, but yeah, it's just... It, boneless. Yeah. The whole it breast. It looks like a roast. They've yeah. taken it, and they've deep fried it, and they've packaged it. Um, to where it's really, you could probably eat it just straight out of the refrigerator and make turkey sandwiches. But on the package, it has reheating instructions and you're supposed to like put it in a pan covered, um, with a little bit of broth and keep it, you know, keep it 
juicy in there and then reheat it till it's like 145. Well, I said, if it's good in the oven, it's going to be better on the smoker. So what I did was I kind of just scored it. You know how I do the smoke bologna? Mm -hmm. It makes like that diamond pattern on top. You just run a set of parallel lines one direction on an angle and then turn around and do it the opposite way. And as it warmed up, as it cooked, it opened up a little bit. And I hit it with some rub. I actually used some of the grind. It was so good on that spatchcock turkey. Yeah. Shout out, swine lot. Uh, I put some of theirs on that turkey deep fried turkey breast. It's a smoked deep fried turkey breast. <laughs> And man, it was good. It was my, good. my parents and and uh, Waylon and Devon went crazy over it. Yeah, I even you know, we took it. Uh, we went up to my dad's farm um, over the weekend, do a little hunting, and just visiting with the family. And uh, we took the leftovers up there, and it made some of the best turkey sandwiches. I'm talking. All you needed was just regular old loaf bread, uh, Wonder Bread, yeah, <laughs> and some mayonnaise. and some mayonnaise. I think my mom had a jar of Dukes. Yeah, and that's all I put on it. It was just turkey, sliced turkey breast, and mayonnaise and bread, and it so made you, such a good sandwich. So you found this at Sam's, right? Yeah, I got I bought them at Sam's, but I've seen them. I know I've seen them at Costco. I know I've seen them at Walmart. What do they look um, like? It's a, it's usually with all the frozen turkeys, and it's in a butterball package, and it's just a big turkey breast. It's like one side of a breast, not a bone-in breast. It's huge to be one probably, side It had to come breast. off a 20-something pound yeah. turkey because it's huge. It's not, and it's not one of these constructed, you know how sometimes yeah, you get on there. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think if you get, it, it really. It's a whole piece of breast. It's probably, called a, it's probably called a carving breast. And I would imagine they use them for serving it. Like, you know, if you go to these brunches where they have like a Thanksgiving mm-hmm. brunch. That's or what I was going to say. It'd be perfect Easter brunch. Because when you slice it and you kind of slice it on an angle a little bit, as thick or as thin as you want, but it, it makes the slices kind of tall. And if you just slice it straight across, like you would say a brisket, it would just be kind of thin slices because the breast wants to kind of flatten out. But when you put that bias on it a little bit, a little bit of an angle with your knife, it makes this nice piece of sliced turkey breast. And it was as good as any turkey breast that you cooked off a whole turkey. So you just, it's kind of cheating because it's already good. <laughs> it's kind of cheating. So you brought it home. What I did, it, it was and, uh, and then just it, it was refrigerated, it. not froze, when I bought it. And it, I don't know, I didn't look at the shelf life, but I imagine it's several weeks because it's fully cooked. It's probably a month. They probably have a month shelf life in the refrigeration. And so I brought it home, opened up out of the package, um, scored it, seasoned it a little bit. And then got it on the pit. And it only takes, I stuck a thermometer in it so I could watch it. I knew I was only taking it to 145. It's fully cooked. When it got to about 120 and I got some smoke on it and it started opening up, I moved it over to a little aluminum pan and put a stick of butter that I kind of cut up in there. (laughs) And I let that butter melt a little bit. And then I started basting it and I just covered it. And so it would, so it would kind of get even more steamy and juicy in there. It was sitting in the melted butter and I'd come back every once in a while as it was, you know, getting to that 145, I'd raise the aluminum full up, take my brush and just kind of drizzle it over the top. Like I did that spatchcock turkey and it was so good. And then when it come out and I, you know, before I sliced it, I took it out of that pan of butter and I drizzled it one more time and I wrapped it up and then we took it over to my mom and dad's house and Waylon sliced it up and we had it and. It sat in the cooler for like almost seven? two hours. Oh yeah, two. It, it held. It was still. It was still really hot yes. when we sliced it, and when we ate it, we just put it out on a platter, and it probably there were seven of us, and I bet we didn't eat a quarter of it. Yeah, but, but we, we did, did have, have ham, ham and, and all the yeah. traditional sides, 
And so I did a ham too, and I did that um, spot just a spiral that ham. That was the best ham I've had in a long time. You know, I didn't glaze that or anything because my mom likes to use the ham bone to make beans or turnip greens or something like that when it's left over, and she doesn't like the sweet glaze on top. She's yeah. just real kind of picky like that. So I left the glaze off, it did, and it didn't need it. I took so it. Did out. you do anything to the ham? I didn't do anything. I took it out of the package and just double smoked it. <laughs> I ran it on some pecan pellets on that Memphis grill. It took it three and a half hours. To warm up to about 145 too. I just wrapped it up in full and took it over there. And then we yeah. cut it off the bone and arranged it on the platter. But it was it was good. It was one of the best hams was, I've had in a long time. It was so good. Yeah. We've been cooking a lot of hams here lately, you know. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I know we've been giving away. Did you think it was the best one? Cool. Yeah, I thought it was I the best one of all the hams you did this past You time. said that at the time. And I was like, I ain't going to tell her to do it and do it. <laughs> I didn't do nothing to do it. Well... Sometimes simple is best. That was good. But and I know, think it was a good quality ham, too. You know, sometimes you just it's just luck of the draw. Yeah, but that one, you know, I think that was just a Kroger brown sugar ham. Yeah. It said on the package it was like Kroger brand, spiral, brown sugar, smoked ham. And that's the whole thing. Doing holiday stuff, it's not hard because your hams are already fully cooked. Mm-hmm. That's the easiest. It doesn't get, I mean, bologna's easy to smoke. Ham's even <laughs> easier yeah. than bologna. <laughs> Um, you know, one thing with that, that turkey breast, like you could still do a, you know, a regular 12 pound turkey and then do a couple of those breasts to supplement, you know. And you could feed 30, 40 people. Easy. Yeah. Easy. And there's no waste on those breasts. No, well, you, you know, cook them, you slice them, and you know you use it all. There's no bones, there's no picking, you know. Oh no, it's it's 100% yield. Yeah, there is no waste. When you open that up, there's no waste. It's in the, the spiral ham's kind of like that too. I mean, it has a bone in it. But there's no waste on the meat. There's mm-hmm. nothing no, nothing to trim off. You're not rendering any more fat. It's all edible. And then you can use the bone to flavor. You could, I mean, even if you just made a bone stock and just, you know, boiled that bone for a while and flavored some water and make your own ham broth, yeah. you could put that up and use it for all kinds of stuff. Combo. Oh, ve- just, just regular old vegetables. Right? I mean, you could yeah. go get frozen vegetables. I don't care if you're cooking canned. I wouldn't cook canned vegetables, but, I'd, you know, fresh or frozen vegetables. In some of that ham broth, man, it's so good. I actually read something recently where they said Paul Poudron thought that the basis for any good meal was the stock. I believe that. Yeah. I believe that. He you know, there's a- places down in, in uh, New Orleans, that's all they do it's is stock. make stocks. And then these restaurants buy them because stocks, it, st- stock is kind of... Um, it's labor intensive. It is. It is. It takes hours and hours and hours to make a good one. Because you're concentrating all those flavors and you're trying to get everything out of all the ingredients you put in there, whether it's the bones that are making it or, you know, the vegetables, the aromatics, all that stuff, the seasonings, you're putting all that in there to concentrate it into your liquid. Mm-hmm. And that's the foundation, really, what's making good food. And it's great flavor. There's no better oh, way yeah. to add flavor to a dish, yeah. And you can, I mean, now we buy that ham base and I use it a lot, in, yeah. you know, when I'm making up stuff, but nothing takes the place of a good, really made stock yeah if i'm if i have the time any type of dish that i do like a chicken and dumpling type dish or something i make my own stock i make my own chicken stock and I, that's why i like to buy a whole chicken to do it what's know? the difference say when you when you're gonna buy a broth versus a stock because i've always wondered that i have no idea i guess the broth i, I is use just, that word interchangeably i, I kind of do too but you know when you go buy it like swanson's yeah. in the grocery store they have stock and then they have uh, broth, but yes. I figured broth was probably just salt water and whatever right. flavor they're using to do it. But stock to me probably has some seasoning to it, some vegetables in it. You know, it's it's more like you would think when you're 
when you're making a soup or something, you use a stock. Well, it says uh, the magical world of Google Vine uh, says that stock tends to be made from bones, whereas broth is made more from meat. Huh. I didn't know that. Stock tends to have a fuller mouthfeel and richer flavor due to the gelatin released by long simmering bones. So stock's probably richer. Yeah. I'm all about the richness. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I usually buy the stock, not just the broth. Don't you? When when you buy stuff, I guess I really don't know. Don't pay attention. Yeah. I usually go for the stock just because it. I mean, it sounds now like I know. It sounds like. I mean, to me, broth sounds ro- more robust. Really? Well, I mean, you know, you, you see on restaurant now menus, you can order bone broth or whatever. It's yeah. kind of like consomme or soup or something like that. But so, so you want to go for the stock because it's got it actually has the bone in it, mm-hmm. and everybody knows you get more flavor out of the bone. Yeah, and a fuller mouthfeel due to the oh. gelatin released. I guess that's from like the marrow and mm-hmm. all of it coming out of it. Oh yeah, there's a lot. And of, I guess it like so if you say at cold temperatures, a stock would probably solidify a little. You know how it kind of gets gelatinous mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's from that from from all that marrow and. And goodness. and goodness in it, yeah. Where, where a broth would probably just Stay freeze like ice or yeah. something. You know, you've seen people put broth in ice cube trays and use that and keep it in the freezer and then take them out and use them to flavor stuff. Well, most of the time when I'm making a, a stock, I'm using the meat too. I'm not just using. I don't the bones. use just bones. No, yeah. when we make a chicken stock, it has a whole chicken in it, or yeah. at least chicken parts. Yeah. Or when I make, but I'm fish, guessing to make the real stock, you need to boil it for a while. You know, I'll use like. If we're doing a seafood, like a gumbo, seafood gumbo, I'll use the shrimp heads mm-hmm. and the tails and crab claws. And, you know, even if, if, if I had some catfish or something I was putting in there making a dish with it, I'd use the bones from that. And it's still got some meat on it, too. So Yeah. But I've never really just used meat in a broth, do you? No. I've I don't see the point that. in it. Um, well, most of the time I'm trying to also use the meat as well. Yeah, yeah. And to boil it that long would... So I guess you could just take some ham and put it in there with some water and season it up with some salt and make you a ham broth. Yeah, Yeah. there you go. I do that all the time. I make a ham broth every time I cook a vegetable. (laughs) That's what goes in your your (laughs) secret recipe in your butter beans. Well, some of them. Man, they're good. So um, we talked about what we cooked for Thanksgiving. I made a pecan pie that was probably one of the best pecan pies I've ever made. I don't know how you did it. It was so good. I browned the butter a little bit because the pecan pie calls for, you know, a certain amount of butter. And I've made the mistake before by not having the butter completely melted. You know, you don't want it hot because you don't want it to cook the eggs. But not having the butter completely melted so it mixes in, it kind of leaves bubbles at the top. So I was like, well, I'm going to, you know, put it on the stove and heat it really quickly. And then I was like, I'm going to brown it a little first. It worked. Yeah. And then I had to let it cool, of course. My favorite thing about those, most of the time I'm not a huge fan of pecan pies, but most people, when they do them, they'll just measure out the pecans, you know, they're half pecans, mm-hmm. and they put them in the bottom of the crust and pour all that stuff on them. And, and you get with, big pecans. Yeah, big pieces of pecans. Well, yours, it's all like chopped up, almost mm-hmm. fine. And it makes such a better texture. And, I mean, I think the look of it looks cool, too. Yeah. It almost looks like it has a top crust. And it's all candied up in the pecan. And yeah. then, then the filling, the whole trick to me on the pecan pie, I don't want to get a slice of pecan pie and it be all runny in my plate. That's what, and most of the time, you know, you get people's homemade mm-hmm. pecan pies. They don't set good or something. I don't know. But the ones you did set, they were set perfect. Yeah. It's just like meat cooking well for me. You know, it's not necessarily by time. You really have to check and make sure that pecan pie is set before you pulled it out. Even though the recipe, oh, 
I don't even know because I set my timer for, you know, 45 minutes or whatever and kept going back every five to 10 minutes and like saying it needs a few more. It needs a few more. It was right. Yeah. It was probably about an hour and a half, hour 20, hour and a half. Was that your favorite thing that we had for Thanksgiving? Was your pecan pie? Your ham was really good. Your mom made some really good rolls. Those were good. Yeah. Those were like the kind you ride. They weren't homemade, but they were... They're roads. Roads, man. So you let them rise that morning, and then with some butter, you couldn't beat those. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite? Man, I have to probably, probably the ham. Yeah, the ham was good. I can just make. I can eat ham and rolls. That's what you know. That's holidays to me. My sweet potatoes are pretty good. Sweet potato casserole is always good. Yeah. Deviled eggs were good. Yeah, your mom made some really good dressing. The dressing was good. Mm-hmm. We had a good. We had a good Thanksgiving. I did Thanksgiving with my family the weekend before. Um, and we had a really good Thanksgiving there. They serve pork loin at Thanksgiving a lot too. I mean, they still serve ham and turkey, but we have such a big family. My grandfather also cooks pork loin. So I've kind of gotten used to having pork loin at Thanksgiving. Really? Was it good? I didn't, I, didn't, I, went, hunt, I went duck hunting. <laughs> That's always one of my favorite them. meat. Yeah. How'd your duck hunting go? <laughs> it went great. That was really the first Arkansas duck hunting trip I'd been on to that scale. And man, it was amazing. I can't wait to go back. It's closed right now, but it'll be open back soon. Did y'all do any cooking at the duck camp? Uh, yeah, we um we went over to another uh, some other guys' camp um, because the one we were staying at still under construction. O'Sullivan Duck Club. He's he's doing some <laughs> renovating, but we went over and ate dinner with those guys. And they had a I don't know if Heath or Kevin took a, a CTO over there or MM, I think it was, and they had um, a suckling pig, but it was a wild suckling pig that they got from Texas somewhere. And it had to come off some kind of farm or something because it had a one of those uh, USDA stamps on it. Really? It wasn't like somebody went out and caught it. Yeah, it was It was a scalded, still had the skin. It was pretty. It was just a wild pig. So it didn't have a lot of fat, but they cooked it whole, just like I did last You know, last mm-hmm. year when I did the uh, suckling pig video. They kind of did that same way, except the chef seasoned it up, and he had, like, garlic cloves in it. And it was yeah. really good. And uh, the skin turned out perfect. It was a beautiful little pig. And I busted it open and kind of did my little, you know, where I cut it and peel it back and all the meat's there. And Did it work when you killed it? Yeah. I was, oh, man. The thing about eating those suckling pigs is every bit of, every, every bit of meat on it is just succulent. Mm-hmm. It's all about the same texture, about the same, you know, mouthfeel. It's not like you have shoulder and then lean ham and then the belly. It's all about the same because I guess the animal is so young. And man, it it didn't last long. I mean, there's probably is that meat white, like you know how oh, the yeah. southern pig is yeah. white meat. It it got a really good smoke ring on it, so really? it was really more pink, and you know you could was see the, the smoke and taste hard? it. Yeah, the skin got crispy on it. I actually tried some of the skin. It was it's too tough to chew like that to me. I, yeah. I'm not a I don't like pig skin like that. If I'm gonna eat pig skin, I want it. De- I, you could take that and probably cut it up and fry it, and it would have crack. You know, make crackling. Mm-hmm. I imagine it'd been really good. But we ate that. Of course, I had to get some of that temple meat out, you know, behind that yeah. eye socket. Man, that was good. And the jowl was excellent in it. I mean, it's so rich. You can't sit down and eat a lot of it. But they also did uh, three or four, tur- like, bony and turkey breast. And we had some uh, stuff from Alabama, so, like, some slaw from a place. They actually brought some of that... Um, it's a sauce that... It's, it's like an Alabama vinegar sauce. And it's really, um, it's called Bishop's. And I guess there's a restaurant over in Alabama called Bishop's. Oh, you were talking about it. I actually have, someone yeah. brought me a bottle of it here at the house to try. And, what, and all it is, it's like four ingredients. It's like uh, vinegar, cayenne pepper, 
um, lemon juice, and salt. That's all that's in it. And it says, you know, if you don't shake it up, it'll be, you know, it'll be it's nice to wrong. you. Yeah. If nice you shake it up a little, you know, if you just, if you shake it up a little bit, it'll get, it'll get a little hot. But if you shake it up a lot and you get a lot of that pepper stirred up, it's going to light you up. So. Yeah, it's his three-in-one. Yeah, it's a three-in-one sauce. But it's really a <laughs> cool like little, yeah. yeah, a cool little concept. But it's, it's, to me, it didn't say Alabama to me. It, it was scream North Carolina. Yeah. Because that's the way they do, you know, traditional barbecue over there. They'll chop, they'll cook whole hogs and they'll chop it all up to where all the parts are mixed and they'll put that good vinegar sauce all over it. And then we had a slaw. It was like a mustard slaw. So it was real tangy, oh, uh, real like yellow. That. Yeah, that, that was good. And uh, we ate we ate good at Duck Camp. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's what you're supposed to do. I think so too. Had some good whiskey. Man. The picture I saw, you were taking a shot of tequila. Yeah, somebody had tequila. And <laughs> of course, there was some beer, I think, too. So it was, oh, man, it was, it was Duck Camp. It was everything I wanted Duck Camp to be. <laughs> then we got up at like 4.15 and was out there in the in the cold and in the middle of a rice field and water I've never been in. <laughs> Did you get wet at all? No, I had waders on. It wasn't oh. bad at all. And you, it like, wasn't and you bad. limited out? Is that well, what you Everybody said? limited out. There was 10 of us hunting two different pits and everybody limited out. I and mean, we shot some, you know, we had a good morning. That's cool. And I came back and went straight. I mean, I came right back home after that morning hunt Saturday, traded out my duck hunting stuff for deer hunting gear and went and got in a deer stand and had a good deer hunt. That was kind of opening rifle weekend here in Mississippi. And uh, I went with uh, Mark and Jamie from Swan Life. And, man, we saw all kinds of deer. It was fun. I, I hadn't I didn't shoot any deer that, that weekend because I'm waiting on the big one. But I ended up taking a couple of doe last weekend. So, we've had, so we got deer meat. We got deer meat. Deer meat in the freezer. Michael got his first uh, first deer ever. Yeah. And, uh, he, man, he was so excited. Was. Me and Waylon took him hunting at my dad's farm. And he shot a little spike, which was good for him. He's eight, he's nine years old and shot his, shot his first deer. He was, man, he was, that was, that was worth going just to see him, how excited he was. <laughs> you know, he, um, he's, he doesn't enjoy being out in the cold and sitting still. So he's always been a little iffy about deer hunting, but since he shot that, he's ready to oh, go. Oh yeah, he's definitely an afternoon deer hunter. He wants to get in the stand about three and sit till dark. I mean, he, anything, <laughs> I don't know if he could do a, a, I definitely couldn't do an all day hunt with him. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know how he would do in the mornings. He'd be ready to get down by the time the sun got up good. So I, I thought he might fall asleep too. Yeah, well, as long I had to keep him occupied, and I brought plenty of little snacks for him, and <laughs> and he had his phone where he could look at his apps or whatever. Yeah. And of course, we saw deer pretty fast. So as long as you got some action, it, you know, he, he was. We didn't get to stand till three, and he shot a deer at three forty-five. <laughs> the hardest thing was we made him sit there and wait because we, we still wanted to hunt, you know. He yeah. was like, okay, we got Michaels out of the way. Let's see what else comes out. And we were all in the same blind and had a good time. It was a good time. He uh, he was itching to get down and go look at it. Oh, yeah. Stuff. He wanted to go because we saw it, you know, kind of go over in the woods and crash a little bit. So we knew it was down. And we got he had to do the blood on his face for his first yeah. deer and all that. <laughs> and he's got a good story to tell now. So we didn't, no video this week. No video. Well, it's uh, winding down time anyway, but we're going out of town too. Well, we got a short week. We're actually doing the podcast on Wednesday. Um, we'll probably release it on Friday. Yeah, I guess. same time. But um, we're recording this on Wednesday because we're you know we're leaving in the morning. I knew we wouldn't have time to edit a video, but we're going to do a holiday videos next week. Well, we'll talk about that. But first, I wanted to talk about we did put, bust out the beefer and we did, did a little cooking on the beefer. And we kind of messed up because I had a plan to cook steaks and do asparagus and Brussels sprouts. 
And right before it was time to cook, we decided to bust the beefer out of the, the box. And That's it. Get it set up and working. And first, it wouldn't hook up to the bottle I wanted yeah. it to. I, I bought some of those little small uh, camping propane bottles. And it didn't, you have to get a certain adapter for those. Um, I thought it would just, I mean, I, I assumed they would hook right up, but no. <laughs> but it just, it hooks up to a regular LP propane bottle, like a 20 pound bottle. And so I brought one of those in and I was trying to get it lit and I it was just, doing it. Yeah. It, it just, it was cold outside. So I brought it indoors and it's, of course it says, whatever you do, don't operate it indoors. <laughs> and so I was a little leery about bringing a 20 pound bottle of propane inside the house. Just I mean, it was letting it rip. Yeah. Letting it rip <laughs> 1800 degrees. And so I, you know, I tried to start it up and you know, I, I didn't let, I didn't bleed the line out long enough to let enough gasket in it. And I said, no, we're going to wait. Well, we were short on time and I was like, it was dark we too. We were starving. So, so you did a skillet steak. I did. It was good though. Yeah. I did. It. We had, would you have a ribeye and a couple strips? Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a friend over that ate dinner with us. And last minute, instead of going out, I mean, it got cold. It was like, you know, below 30 degrees. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go outside and start a grill up. We didn't even have time to get a grill hot, I don't uh-uh. think. Yeah. No, because you already had the, the vegetables yeah. in the oven. I was thinking we were going to cook it on the beef in a couple minutes. So I. That see, was bad planning on my yeah, part. But. but I did the old standby iron skillet steak that was good. Let me tell you how I did it. Yes, that's what I'm getting to. A <laughs> little bit of AP, a uh, little bit of hot rub, just, you know, seasoning on the outside. Mm-hmm. And I got my iron skillet good and hot. I mean, I had it, you know, medium high heat. I, I didn't have it like super high. It'll smoke you out of the kitchen. But I had that iron skillet screaming hot. And then I threw the, the steak down on one side. Got a good sear on it. It probably took a minute and a half. And then I flipped it, but I had some butter on standby, and I had some uh, whole garlic cloves, and I had um, some herbs over there just left over from when I was doing turkeys. And I threw them in there with the butter and let that start melting. And as it melted, I spooned it kind of like I drizzled, you know, when I did that reverse, that elk steak. Oh, and that. Same thing. I just basted it with that butter in the iron skillet. Just kept splashing it, splashing it, splashing it for about another minute, 30, minute 45 then I took it and just moved them to the um, oven. I had the oven going at about 400 degrees and put a probe in it and watched them until they got up to about 125. And, man, they were good. Yeah. For an indoor steak, iron skillet, it's hard to beat. The, the crust you get on the outside of it, the flavor that garlic and those herbs get with the butter. And I even serve it with the, the garlic cloves back over mm-hmm. it when we ate it because the garlic's so good. And it's good for your tongue. Hey, yeah, it is. It's good for digestion. Um, that was a good, that's a good steak. I don't think you just have to cook a steak on a grill. I mean, I, I'm all for firing up the grills outdoors, but when it's cold or if you're in a pinch, man, you can do one iron skillet good. Yeah. If you had told me earlier that day we're going to cook a skillet steak, I'd have turned my nose up at it, but it it was really good. I had a strip, right? I yeah. Picked, yeah. You I had the strip. I had the ribeye. Yeah. They were, those were, had to be prime. Those as marbled up as they were. But they didn't have marked as prime. I saw those because I went to the grocery store and was buying steaks and I saw those and I picked them up and looked. I was like, is this a strip? Because it was just so marbled and looked so good. So they I were. had to get them because my plan was to get ribeyes. But. The texture on them was awesome. They yes. just came from Kroger, didn't they? Yes. And not even like behind the counter, just out in the, oh, right, in the, regular, yeah, in the general regular public yeah. area. <laughs> Man, they were good. I was I was all about that ribeye. I don't know if it's because I hadn't had a steak in a while, but, but it was then good. The next day. I um, got the beef for work and I set it up <laughs> properly. I did, And, you know, so... If, if you've ever seen one of these, or if you know what a salamander is, like these high-end steakhouses, they use a salamander a lot of times to cook their steaks. And it's cooking at incredible high temperatures, like 1,500, 1,800 degrees. 
And so the Beefer is a German company and they've made I think kind of a pretty big in Germany. Yeah, it's a but it's like a home use uh salamander. Because mm-hmm. I remember someone um someone very wealthy was talking about uh buying a salamander to put in their you know oh, yeah, their yeah, yeah. outdoor kitchen and it was like a ten thousand dollar piece of equipment. Then they had to send a chef to uh uh what was it, the palm in Denver to learn how to use it? <laughs> yeah. Well this it, it does the same thing. It's it, it's pretty much a box that's probably I don't know, just say it's two foot tall. It's not super tall. Yeah. And, and it's and it's probably foot, ten, foot twelve half. inches yeah. deep. And it's perfect for cooking one steak at a time. And it comes with these little uh grates that you slide in. It's got different levels in it. And you want to cook up top because that's where the heating element is. It's got a ceramic element in there and propane's fired it and it heats up and it'll get up to fifteen hundred degrees. Which is searing. I mean, you're talking, you know, super high heat, hotter than you could ever get a grill, and and it does that crust on the top, you know, on the top side of whatever it's on, whatever's closest to that heat. It just cooks it fast, and so it takes about a minute, minute and a half per side, and your steak's done. So I set it up. I bleated the line good. If you if you get one of these and you're doing it for the first time. It does take a little bit longer than you would think to get the to get the gas flowing through it. It's got an automatic ignition on it. So what I did was I just opened up my gas valve, started hitting that ignition, and then and then hold down on the on the knob where you're actually letting the gas in the unit, and just hold it down. And it probably took it I don't know a minute or so, a couple minutes to get the gas flowing good. And you can see it. I was kind of easing down and watching the front, and it finally just lights all the way across and starts heating up. Uh, reminded me of like one of these heaters. Like, have you ever seen a gas heater? Mm-hmm. And that, like at your grandma's yeah. house, those I old kinds. It, it had that mesh look to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, you know, the way they would heat up and uh-huh. they would start glowing. You don't really see the flame, but you see that intense orange reddish glow in there. And that's where all the heat's coming from. And so um, it it's actually has a sensor too. Like if, it, if the flame's getting out of control or something, it's got a little sensor that'll shut the unit down. It's for safety and all that. Yeah. But it was simple. It's simple to operate. And yeah, I, um, I had a buddy that brought me some uh, Canada goose. They went out to Oklahoma and had a great goose hunt. And he brought me, I told him I never cooked any. And I just wanted to throw something on the beef for that day. And they, they were in the refrigerator. So I said, you know, I'll try one of these the goose breasts. Never, never ate goose, never done it like this, never grilled goose or anything. And I kind of butterflied it to where it was, you know, not flat, but it would lay on the grate, seasoned it with salt only. And man, that was some good goose, wasn't it? <laughs> Went quick. I guarantee, I don't think you would know that it was goose. Uh uh-uh. uh. It tastes you, like deer meat to me. Yeah, like a it, really good fresh deer. Yeah, know? it wasn't gamey. It wasn't. It wasn't wild. I mean, it was really had a really good taste to it. And, and so Jamie was here that day, and he said, "Oh, it's going to taste like fish." But yeah, I guess our local geese. It, it depends on what those geese been eating, and these were probably migrating down from Canada. They've been eating grain on the way down, so they probably had you know pretty good diet. They yeah. wouldn't like. Some old goose out in the pond out here. It was good. I, I kind of wanted you to cook another I'll tell you what, I want to find out if these backyard geese taste that good. <laughs> you can kill all the backyard <laughs> geese you want. That's probably highly illegal. <laughs> they didn't miss them. I snuck out there at night and grabbed one. No. No one's going to miss those. Let me suckers. a goose dog. <laughs> I don't even blame it on it. Just get trained to bring them back up here to me. Breast them out. No, we'll, be, we'll beef them up. <laughs> They got a new market for it. We call it the Gooser. It's a Gooser. The Gooser. <laughs> but I'm excited to cook steak on Me it. Me too. I'm excited to see what we can beef up. I'm going to say this. I mean, I said this when I first got it. I was going to start a segment 
where I'm doing what can Malcolm Beefer? Just like <laughs> real quick video. Yeah, because I think the Beefer is, is there's a place for it um, in your outdoor arsenal. Yeah, I think it's cool as it could be. Yeah, because I mean it's something different. You know, it's not grilled. It's super high intensity heat cooking. But to have that beside your grill or beside your smoker outside in, in an outdoor kitchen, it's a it's a great little uh, you know side cooking utensil, yeah. like a piece of equipment. But um, I think they run, I don't know, what, eight, nine hundred bucks, something like that. It's not that bad. It's not really that bad for what you can do with it. Yeah. And it'll run. I want to say the guys told me when they were doing a demo and I asked them about how long it'll run on a bottle. It was like over 12 hours on one bottle. Well, if you're cooking steaks at about, you know, three minutes total, <laughs> think of how many steaks you could cook on a bottle of gas. You could cook a long time on it. It's not, the, the unit's not on that long. What were you talking about the other night? The flank? Cooking flank steak on it? Yeah, no, flat irons. Flat iron, yeah. Yeah, I want to do some flat iron. There's, I've got all kinds of ideas for stuff we can do on That's it. That's what I want to do next week when we get out get some flat irons. We'll make flat iron tacos. Mark and Emily did scallops on it out at the World Foods, and that was really good. Yeah, they did kebabs, vegetable kebabs yeah. on it, and they were very good. I've actually got a pizza stone it came with that I can uh, do flat iron. <laughs> the uh, first I mean, thing flat, no, Michael said when he bridge. saw them is... That ain't gonna do no pizza. Yeah, because <laughs> you you told him he could have pizza. You know, you're gonna cook us a pizza. Do you know? Do you remember the old um, school cafeteria pizzas, the square yes, ones? Yeah, they would fit perfect. They would fit perfect on the beefer, and you can just slide them in there on that stone, let yes. the bottom get crunchy, and the top melt real quick. You probably cook a pizza, one of those pizzas in a minute. I bet it would be pretty well. They sell them at but at uh, Raymond's Meat Market in Memphis. So you can still buy me. a box of cafeteria style pizzas. So next time I go up there, I'm, I'm gonna get stuff from TK. So man, I got I got a plan for these. <laughs> I wish I could just get the crust, yeah. well, and then you can make, make your own. Crust. You think it would turn out that? That's what I'm gonna do too. Yeah. But just like a, it's gonna be real. Um, what do you say? Rustic? Is that how? You, if yeah. it's not a perfectly round crust. Yeah. If it's just like a little piece of pizza dough that you stretch out to your own shape. Well, kinda. we watched Alton Brown's uh, pizza dough special. Yeah, he was doing yeah. reload, redo, reloaded stuff. Yeah, whatever. we were watching that. Like, what was it? He did grilled Casey? pizza. Yeah, he grilled the crust well, like, first. Did it? Yeah. It looked crunchy though. Yeah, but we could use that same recipe and be for it. Yeah, and stretch the dough out mm-hmm. and put it. It's got a little peel. You put it in there and slide it in the stone after you get oh, the it stone does come good. With the peel? I watched. The, there's a video. Beefer has a lot of videos um, on YouTube. Them? Yeah, most of them. Are. <laughs> Because it's real big over there. I mean, it's, they're just now coming to the States. I mean, we saw them for the first time last spring at the hardware show up in Nashville. And that that was kind of my introductory to them. And then we ran into those guys again out in Vegas at the at the national, you know, whatever that big HPB show was in Vegas. They were doing it. But there's not just one, like, Beefer is one of the up-and-coming brands. But there were several different yes. uh, people that were demoing different style units. Of those, so you're going to start seeing more of those salamander type, um, you know, home version mm-hmm. grills. I guess you'd call it. If yeah. It's a grill. I don't know if it's a cross between an oven or I don't know. a high heat broiler. What do they consider the salamander? I would, I would think it's. Is it's, it its I, own little? It's category? own little. Yeah, it's own little category. It's not an oven. Yeah. It's not cooking like an oven. It's more of a broiler. You know, but it just gets yeah. a broiler in your house is probably only going to do 500 degrees. That's this time gets lucky. three times as hot as your oven broiler. So you have to watch it because it'll burn. It'll burn something fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you and that that was another thing when, when you see these guys doing demos on them, they're not um, seasoning like you can't just go putting barbecue rub on it. 
because you have to think about whatever you have burns at you know at higher Herbs heat. Herbs are definitely going to burn. Black pepper will even burn. Salt is about the only thing you can't burn. But what what I, what I was told when I started talking to them about it, they've had guys playing with it and experimenting, and they're do they're they're seasoning the meat, and then they're taking it and they're getting wiping all the seasoning off the best they can. Like letting it sit. Yeah, letting of? it sit, kind of almost like a dry, dry brine, yeah. and then get all the seasoning, the visible seasoning, off as much as possible, except what was you know, absorbing the flavor into the meat and then getting it off the surface then it won't burn as bad yeah imagine it browns really well like that too um yeah that's kind of like some experiments you were doing but i'm going to try some marinades and not use sweet stuff in it just use flavored marinades oil-based marinades and i think that it'll stop it from burning i don't don't know i got a lot of stuff to play with on it i have a lot of uh ideas well you know i think this one of these is great if if you've got if you, if you don't have a large family, if it's just you and you just want to cook one steak, you don't have to start up a whole grill mm-hmm. to cook a steak. Or if you've got a small family or if you just you know want to let people, if you're doing like a cooking party and you want to let people come over and cook their own thing. You <laughs> oh, can, you can teach cool. people. Yeah, yeah, you can teach people how to do it. You can cook your own steak real fast. I mean, they have a bigger version. They have a, where it's like a double where you could cook two or three Two or three steaks. at one time. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like twice or three times as wide, isn't it? Yeah. It's pretty big. That's when you start getting into the really the size of an actual salamander. Mm-hmm. But it's still a lot more compact. Oh, yeah. Well, um, so our topic for this week is going to be winterizing. Yeah, it's that time of year, yeah. isn't it? Because next week we've got it on our schedule to clean up the garage. Get the grills ready for winter, which is yeah. not really... I don't really break mine down for store. When I think of winterizing, and it's really... And you don't stop cooking either. no. No, but this but is I, just like maintenance. It, it, it's pretty much, I, I usually do maintenance twice a year. You get them ready, you know, right before cooking season is going to fire up, kind of the springtime. And then at the end of the season, you know, which is a little, about this time of year, I give them another good cleaning. I put the covers back on them. The, you know, you used to always pull a cover off and fire grill up fast. But you just need to go through your regular maintenance with them. It's getting all the ashes out, getting all, making sure there's no moisture in it, cleaning all the grease. Cleaning your racks real good. Um, I, I use a little paint scraper to scrape any crud off well, or anything that's baked on. Step by step. All right. All right. What's your first step? Well, the first thing I'm going to do. Pit. On any pit, I'm going to get the racks out, get them clean. And I usually, what I like to do with my racks is soak them. I'll use um, a degreaser like Simple Green, something that's food safe. Um, you, you know, you can buy that. It's concentrated. So you mix it with water and you just let your racks soak in it. And you can use... Um, Totes, if your racks will fit in totes to soak Totes, on. garbage cans. Um, yeah. I've even, what I what I really like to use, you can buy these pans that water heaters sit Like, if you think your water heater in your house heats all your hot water, they sit in a pan. It's like this uh, tin pan, galvanized metal. Usually they have a drain on them, so you have to plug that up. And I've, I've used, you know, like Gorilla Tape or anything. Yeah. Anything that I can do to stop it up to make it hold water. But it's perfect size for holding racks. Even big racks, like off my old hickory. They'll fit in that, and I can stack them six deep. So I'll put them in there, hit them with the water hose, spray them down with the simple green, let that soak for maybe a couple hours. And then when you take them out, there's no scrubbing. You can just take your water hose with the sprayer attachment, spray all the stuff off, and then take a rag and wipe them down and a little bit of light oil, and they're good to go. They're, you know, you've got all the crud off of them. Anything that's baked on, it's all let go. You got it back down to the stainless steel rack. I mean, you know, I, would, I wouldn't probably do that to say, um, an iron, you know, if, yeah, if, you, if yeah. you've got Don't expanded metal rack anything. or something like that, you just need to season those. And if you keep them good and seasoned, they won't rust on you. 
And you do that by heating up your grill, putting some light oil on it, and just letting it set for hours. It'll season those kind of racks. But once I get my racks clean, it's time to clean out the cooking chamber. And that's when, you know, in, in a, lot of, a lot of smokers, you'll get that residue that builds up on the side. And, and so much of it is flavor. But I like to, you know, kind of well, take it back down a couple pieces. times a year. Yeah. And so I take a paint scraper. It's just like, you know, a little flat-bladed thing that you'd scrape putty off a wall or whatever. And I'll get some gloves on, wear an old shirt or apron or something. And I'll go in there and I'll hit everything. I don't, I don't spray chemicals inside my grills. But I use that paint scraper to knock anything off. And then I can spray water in it. And I can drain all, wipe it all out, scoop it out if you have to. Um and and get everything out of the bottom of it and get it back dry. Yeah, because that stuff can fall while you're cooking later. Oh yeah, it'll get on your food. food. I've I've had it happen. Yeah, been lazy and let it build up on the lids, and whenever you, you don't realize it, or you know when you're shutting your grill, it's knocking some of it off, or it can fall, and you don't want to eat that stuff. I mean, it's just you know baked on carbons yeah, all so it is. So you're not taking in. the flavor off. No, no. You're just seasoning off. You're just knocking off the big chunks. Right, right, right. And then then I'll spray it back down with a light coat of oil. Um, I like to put a little bit of heat in it to make sure it's really good and dry. And then I pull all my ashes out, get all the coals out. I'll take, I've got a shop vac. It's just like one of these little cheap ones that you can get for 20 or 30 bucks at Walmart. And that's what I use to suck everything out of the ash compartment, whatever it is. Somebody didn't put their phone yeah. on silent. It's all right. Hey, phone calls happen. <laughs> Might have to pause it though. But it's Heath. He's probably wanting to talk about our trip. Yeah. But so so once you get all the ashes and everything out, it's time to clean the outside. And for the outside, I usually just wipe it down. Um, I've got some cleaners that you can put on. WD forty is really a great one. Why do you use WD forty? That was actually on my list. Because it cuts the grease off. If there's any grease on or smudges um, on the outside of a cooker, it's great. It takes all that stuff off real easy. I just use like white cloth wrap towels. Polishes it up. I, I get the outside cleaned up. The you know get all the grease off. Anything that's you know smoke, all that residue, dirt. Whatever's on your cookers, you want to get all that off of them. Get it back to almost new condition. As far as you can get it. Yeah, yeah, as far as you can get it. And then put your cover on. And just about every grill manufacturer makes a cover. If not, use a tarp and bungee cords that go around it. That's just going to protect it from the elements when, you know, cold weather, moisture, anything like that. It's going to keep animals from getting up in it. I mean, it keeps, <laughs> you know, I mean, all that can happen. You know, mice can get in the grill and build. They're looking for a place to get. Yeah. In the wintertime. And you want to cover all that up. Now, a lot of my, like you said, I, I cook on mine year round. So I will fire up some of them. But at least they're setting on go. They're ready for the winter. They're, you know, they're ready for the cold weather. There's nothing else you really have to do. Especially if you don't have a covered area, it's real important to cover them up. It's going to save your paint. It's going to, you know, you're not going to get those rust spots on it. You've got it protected. And that's, I mean, that's, that. That's the best way to winterize pits or, or grills or anything. Just keep them clean. What um, happens if you leave the ash in there all winter? Well, ash, it, it really absorbs moisture a lot, and then it's going to rust anything that's in there. I've seen it rust out the bottom of pits. I've seen it rust the rails. You know, the, the firebox itself can all rust. So you really always want to get your ash out. It's not a good habit to get in leaving Leaving ash in it. Now, if you went out to mine right now, I'm probably there's probably a couple <laughs> Do what of mine. I say, not what yeah, I did. there's probably a couple of them has had ash in them because you know you usually don't think about things like this when you're cooking and you've been you know you've had a long cook. You might have been cooking you know overnight, twelve hours, and you're ready to eat the food or go to whatever event you're cooking for or just 
go to bed, whatever it is, you forget about it. And, you know, sometimes it gets left in there, but you need to always go back and get that stuff out when you, you know, as soon as you can. I don't usually try to take it out hot unless I'm in a contest. Uh, but I do, you know, if, if you're going to take out hot ashes, have you some good gloves, get you a shovel, get you a metal bucket with the lid, something that'll put the fire out because just because it's ash doesn't mean it's still not hot and it can still start a fire. I found, oh, we found that out. You can, if you don't ways. go and dump that in your, in your garbage container thinking it's, you know, good to go. No, it'll burn right through. <laughs> I promise you. It'll start a good little it fire. It could be there for hours and you're thinking. Oh, it's cold. It's good. Yeah. I don't usually spray it with water, but what I what I will do is put a lid on it and then let it you know don't put it anywhere where it's because it's still hot on the bottom. Mm-hmm. No, just be be con- conscious of where you're you're putting stuff like that because it it, it can uh, you know, still have a lot of heat. Uh, In a pinch, aluminum foil over the top of a, a metal pail will put it out. Yeah, but you just need to keep it in metal if it's hot. Yeah, always. but otherwise, if it's cool, you just scrape it out a, a metal ice scoop. Y'all use that a lot. I think y'all, that was one of my ice scoops. Probably was. Y'all <laughs> grabbed it. it. Turned it into an ash scoop. And you were like, oh, this works They do work good. good. I, I use those. Um, the old hickory comes with a nice fire tool, and I use that fire tool in all my pits. Yeah. And all it basically is is a, a, a piece like of... Like an L. Flat piece of metal. Yeah, flat piece of metal on a rod. <laughs> but it's great for sticking it in the back of a cooker and dragging it back forward and dragging all the ash out. And once you get it out to the edge, you can scoop it out and brush it out, and suck, uh, vacuum it out, whatever you want to do. But it keeps it clean. And the shop vac's a really good tip because that's really good for pellet cookers. Yeah, you can I, get all the pellet dust out. I break stuff. I break my pellet grills down. Take up, you know, take the heat shield out. Clean out the fire pot good with the vacuum. One uh, thing I will say about the shop vac is uh, you need to remove the little. I don't know the filter process on the inside of it. Every once in a while, if you're doing using it for ash, because it'll clog builds it builds up and clogs it and burn the motor up. Yep. You'd probably you, if you're going to use if you're going to use one of those for ash or charcoal dust and all that, you need to clean clean your shop back more than you would think. Yeah, you but do. they're they're cheap. They're twenty. You're not going to get. I mean, if you tear cheap. one up, you'll get another one. I'm really, hard on them. Don't yeah. take them in the house and try to use them. Cause you'll blow ash everywhere. I've done that before. <laughs> Even yeah, if you think you've one, cleaned it's be it. a shop. It's, yeah. it's really going to be a shop version. No, your grill shop back needs to always back. be your grill shop yeah. back. Yeah. I think your job's cleaning the grills and mine's to clean the shop back. And clean the mess. <laughs> <laughs> I make cleaning the grills. You'll ruin some clothes because, I mean, grills are nasty. I mean, you don't, you put, that, don't put your good shirt on and go out there. Or, that grease won't come out of it. It will not come out. Uh-uh. I don't care how much Tide Pods you use or whatever. <laughs> and it's really important to keep everything really dry on the inside. Yeah. It is, but the main thing to know when, when um, you know, you need to do this maintenance, not only in the winter. I mean, winter, we say winterization, but you need to be doing it a couple times a year, every six months. Yeah. And we do the same, the same if I was calling it summarizing grills, <laughs> it would be the same thing. You're, you're cleaning it, you're doing it the same way, you're getting them ready for summer. You, even, even in the summer, it's important to protect your stuff because if, if it's not raining, the sun is probably the worst thing on the finish of a grill. A lot of times it's not the it's not the cold or the or the 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 dampness that ruins them. It's the sun beating down on them. The sun bakes them, and it'll ruin a finish. I mean, you know, of course, wet weather will rust them, but but the sun is hard on stuff. So you want to think about if you don't have overhead protection for winter or summer to to keep those grills covered up. Yeah, and a lot of people don't cook as much during January, February. You know, they might do some Most holiday shut cooking. Down, yeah. yeah, but they're not going to be out there cooking January, February, and you know. First part of March. If you're hardcore, you will. Shovel that snow and get out there. (laughs) (laughs) 
depends on what kind of pitch you have. You know, some of them don't mm-hmm. want to operate. It's, it, it's a struggle to fight and wind it, and cold. But yeah, and where you are, yeah, too. I mean, you know, if, if you've got something that'll, like an old hickory, it don't phase it. Is there anything else you do this time of year to protect your smokers? Specifically for That's the winter That's about time? it for the smokers. Now, my trailers is a different thing. Um, if you've got barbecue trailers, you need to think about what you're going to do to the the uh, water packages and stuff on them. If you have sinks and all that, you need to, you have to, those will freeze up on you just like they will in a house that, you know, that's sitting, it's got too cold or, or RV or anything like mm-hmm. that. So we been many a spring. We've had to replace, replace stuff hose, yeah. because that stuff busted over the winter. We didn't take care of it. Yep. Yeah. So, so I drained the water, I drained the hot water heater. I flushed the pipe, flush all the water system out with air. Uh, we put some of that treatment in there. It's almost like an antifreeze that you use in RVs. To keep your, you know, to keep the pots from freezing, um, we, you know, that's when you want to service your tires and make sure they're in good working order. Your bearings are packed, all that good stuff. All that trailer maintenance is important. It's a good time of year to do it because it's not off the road. Pull out all of the bedding. Pull out all your bedding. And do all, clean, and do a clean good out all sweep. your spices. Yeah. And, do a good sweep in there so you don't leave crumbs or food that can entice little mice or critters. Yeah. I don't know how that stuff finds its way in. They can get through anything. Oh yeah. I mean, we, we, I found out, you know, we found mice in our, live, trying to live in there. It's, you know what I do? I started putting traps. I'll put some of those, you know, mice traps in there. I'll put some ant traps. I'll put all kinds of stuff when I'm not, no, I'm not going to use my trailer for mm-hmm. months. Just so it's clean when I come back to ready to use it. I might have to throw some of those traps away. But yeah. Because from now on, you know, you're going to use your grills, but. I'm not using the trailer. I'm going to be using trailers trailer after spring. Yeah. yeah, it'll be springtime. Before we even move them. Yeah. But it's a good time of year to go ahead and get that maintenance out of the way. Well, you got to do the water. Yeah. You you absolutely have to do that. And it's a good idea to wrap up your AC units if they're up top. I mean, here in the south, it's probably not as bad as as some places. But, I mean, if you don't have a covered place for the parking trailers, which I don't, it's a good idea to think about protecting that stuff. Well, what about like charcoal, wood pellets, things like that? Do they need to go up? Yeah, well, I, I always, I don't usually try to keep that stuff outside. I try to keep it in the garage or somewhere covered. At, you know, if you got a storage yeah. building or. Well, you keep it in your little area. Well, I have some out there. But yeah. <laughs> it does. It, 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 the weather, the weather's usually more damp and, and that stuff, you know, pellet, yeah, pellets, pellets and charcoal don't do good, good in damp, damp weather. Mm-hmm. Wood, it'll stay dry if you got it on a rack and just, you know, exposed. It's going gonna, it's gonna to season out. But <clears throat> your charcoal does not do well with any kind of moisture. Neither do pellets. It's a good time of year to clean <clears throat> up all your tools and throw away the stuff that you don't need. Buy new stuff. That that's or, the most I was thinking thing. making Christmas lists. Like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a, I mean, that's when that's that's how you know, barbecue accessories well, are great for Christmas yeah. gifts. Um. I actually Googled winterizing an outdoor kitchen, and they had stuff on there like clean out the refrigerator, empty, you know, wipe down your ice machine, like things. <laughs> that, like, yeah. Make sure your dishwasher's clean. Your bar off. sink. Yeah. yeah, I don't have all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, We're not there yet. <laughs> no. But the grills is the most important yeah. part. Take care of your stuff. If you do if you if you do have an outdoor kitchen, apparently you need to. I need a refrigerator. Yeah, is what clean me? out the fridge and, and a sink. do that stuff too. Um, that would be important. So this weekend we're heading to Tempe, Arizona. Anything else you want to add to the winterizing? I think that about covers winterizing. I mean, it's just no, no. It's important. You need to get it done before the weather gets too bad, and, mm-hmm. and it's just gonna really. You if you don't, it. it's gonna prolong. It's gonna prolong the life of your stuff. It's just gonna you're gonna wear it out by not taking care of it. 
and maintenance on anything is important, but especially barbecue smokers and grills. Ash if you want them to, if you want them to function properly, clean them out. How many fire baskets have you seen just completely rusted out because people just left them? Oh, so I've had several, yeah. especially they're really bad in drums. Because I would just leave my drums out and not, you know, just with the lid, no cover on them. And it doesn't take them long at all. You won't get them. But when I, once I figured out, hey, these things cost a lot of money. I better protect them. <laughs> I've used the same ones for years now. Yeah, you know, they, they're not doing that. But, you know, if you leave the charcoal in there and the moisture gets in there some kind of way, you're just setting yourself up for disaster. Speaking of which, there's a backwoods that's just hanging out in the driveway. I just, th- that just got brought back to me. I got to push it in the garage. Got brought back a week ago. I was out of town, wasn't I? <laughs> I went hunting all last week. You were around. I was around. Um, but this weekend we'll be in Tempe, Arizona, doing the double class. Um, and then we are done traveling. It's going to be nothing but Christmas activities. Until after the first of the year, right? Yep. And then there's a contest that, that popped up that, that I'm really interested in going to. It's a SCA state contest down at the shed in uh, Gulfport, Biloxi area, Mississippi. Did you see that map coast. he put out? Uh-uh. It was a map of the whole property, the shed property. Oh, wow. It was like, there's the frog pond, there's the, you know, pier. And they said, bring your um, eight, uh, golf carts are accepted. Really? Or are welcome. Huh. That's so going to be interesting. I guess they have a whole little Compound? Property. Yeah. You can ride all around? Because we've gone to the shed, but we only went to the restaurant. Yeah, and yeah, We yeah. didn't check it out. That was before we really knew, you know. Right. The Orsons. Well, we're uh, I'm excited about that contest. I think it's towards the end of end, end of January, mm-hmm. so we may make a little winter uh, retreat down to the coast on that one. Yeah, that'd so, be great. Is it a double SCA two two in one day? I think is it. I believe so. I don't know if I just made that up, but uh, <laughs> from what I, I, I talked to Linda briefly at the, you know World Foods, that and, was what um, Dwayne was planning to do in Kentucky. It, it may, I don't know, but it's interesting because it'd yeah. be our first of the year, so. If we don't do that, then after that, um, it'll probably be a little while before we cook again. It'll be probably spring. You're cooking in the Bahamas, a state contest in the Bahamas in February. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Man, that's going to be a good little trip, too. Yeah. I can't wait to that. Like, that's <laughs> that's going to be fun. That's some traveling. I can get That's where we're going to go swim with the pigs, right? Mm-hmm. That's what got me. They said, you can go swim with pigs. So <laughs> sign me up. Um, so next week, recipe. Yeah, we're going to jump back in. We're going to do a few more recipes for December. Um, I've got to do that prime rib recipe. I've been wanting to, to do a new prime rib recipe, so we're going to do that. It's going to be a new prime rib recipe? Well, I mean, new to me. I mean, <laughs> new to the channel because it ain't on there yet. Yeah, that's true. But uh, I'm probably going to do, I mean, just take some of the, you know, the, the way I like to cook prime rib and do it on one of the smokers. I don't know which one yet. I may do it on the drum because I hadn't done a drum video in a while. I'm all about and, that. Prime rib on the drum is excellent. Yes, let's do that. It's so good. That's and then so I'm going to do some appetizers too. Um, just something to where if people's having parties, they can have a quick go-to. You can do it on the grill, but you know, if it, some of these, if the weather's bad, you could probably also do them in the oven. Yeah. I mean, they'll turn out, but I, I want to show you that you can do them on the grill. So, so I'll come up with a few of those to, to share and. That's going to finish us out. Mm-hmm. Probably, are we going to do any more podcasts? Oh, maybe? yeah. We'll do some podcasts up until um, Christmas time. The week or before like Christmas, that. yeah. And then we'll shut it down. We'll be back in February. Season two, video Season style, two. hopefully. We'll figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty much it for today. That's it. <clears throat> um, if you would like to get in touch with Malcolm, 
It is How to Barbecue Right on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you'd like to connect with me, it's Miss Southern Shell on Instagram, pretty much. Um, I have Twitter. I just don't use it. You don't it. use it. <laughs> well, hey, thanks for everybody for listening today. Hope y'all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Get the app. And get the app because that's a great way to keep up with what we're doing on videos, blog posts. Anything we're putting out there, you can usually find it on the app. And we'll see y'all next time.